You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Over to uh, the book of Acts chapter 8, and on the screen you'll see how to connect to the Wi-Fi if you need that for the notes. Uh, The notes are on the app, so I'll give you a second to do that, and uh, then we'll jump into our lesson here today. Um, it's been a uh, obviously a crazy week uh, on a lot of different levels, um, but do want to first of all say uh, happy Veterans Day. And uh, if we have, do we have anyone here who has served in the military or is currently serving in the military? We would love to have you stand up and recognize you. All right, amen. Uh, we really, really appreciate your service. You guys are heroes, and uh, we are grateful for heroes right now, as uh, there are many heroes fighting the flames as we speak, you know, who are out there doing battle. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, you know, we've been praying a lot uh, uh, for the victims of uh, the mass shooting that happened last Wednesday night, and then everybody that's been displaced by the fires. This is all kind of uh, hit home to me, you know, there, there, you always hear about these things, but I've, I've been taking classes at Pepperdine University for the last three years, and um, so I'm kind of involved in the student life there. I'm there on campus twice a week. And there were 16 uh, Pepperdine students who were there in that uh, Country Western club that night, one of whom was killed, another two or three who had to go to the hospital. Um, so, you know, all of Pepperdine was really impacted. All the students there on Thursday, they had a vigil. Um, and I found out that uh, my, one of my really good friends, Peter Wade, who we, he plays drums, and, and his son is an amazing musician as well, same age as my son, Jameson. Uh, three of the kids who were killed are, are, were really good friends of his, uh, and one of them has spent the night at his house many times and stuff. So that's really hit the Wade home uh, personally, and all the campus ministry, in fact, uh, those kids knew the campus ministry kids and, uh, and, and stuff. So the, the, they had planned a vigil for Friday night, uh, the, the, that ministry there, uh, Geo's ministry, the uh, Shoreline ministry, but I think they had to postpone it, I heard, and the, now they're trying for Tuesday night because of the fires. Thousand Oaks obviously been hit by the fires as well. And then with the fires, you know, being at Pepperdine, I don't know if you heard, but all of Malibu was evacuated. Uh, our, our classes were, were are canceled for Monday, but over the weekend, all the students had to shelter in place. So we kept getting these alerts on my phone since I'm a student, you know, shelter in place. And so they spent all of uh, Friday night in the library um, because they, they can't evacuate all of Pepperdine University. So what they do in, in emergencies like this, they kind of pull them all into these safe places on the university. And then they do a lot of fire mitigation around the campus just to make sure that when these kinds of things happen, it doesn't get the campus. So they had a, a one structure burn, I think um, one vehicle destroyed. But besides that, they fought the fire all night, Friday night, and all the students are safe. But uh, So I'd like to say a prayer for all that's going on with that, and, uh, and then we'll jump into the lesson here in Acts chapter 8. And I think the things that we look at today will actually have a lot to do with, uh, with what's going on in the world right now. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you to be together. Uh, Thank you that we could find comfort in each other during uh, times of trial and struggle like this. And I don't know what 
different people might be feeling or experiencing. I know there's, there's battles and, and difficulties and challenges that uh, many of us don't even know about that are happening right now with, with uh, some of us who are gathered and praying. Um, I, know, I just heard this morning about the, uh, the lambs uh, losing their daughter, Christy. Uh, you know, the lambs are a key family in our, our fellowship of churches and uh, they've been through so much loss already or so much hardship already with Marsha's cancer and losing their son and Michael's cancer. And now uh, for, I know Christy's been battling health ch- challenges for a long time, but I know we're the same age and we knew each other in the teen ministry and it's just, it's just crazy. But uh, these kinds of things remind us that uh, we do have an anchor for our soul, God. We do have uh, eternal hope if, in you and I thank you for that. And I pray that during uh, times like this, we can be a hope to people who are hurting. We can provide comfort. Uh, we can point people to you and, and uh, to your church. And thank you that you join us in struggle and you join us in sorrow, that you're not a God who stands far off. It might feel like that at times, but thank you that you're a God who entered humanity uh, and entered our suffering and, and died in the way that you did, as the rallies talked about. And um, Thank you for that, God. I pray we can be salt. I pray we can be light, as Jesus said that we were. Sometimes we don't feel like that, but I pray that we can really be that during times like this. I pray a special prayer for the disciples of, of uh, Thousand Oaks and of the campus ministry there and the, the disciples at Pepperdine and who are trying to really minister to the, the kids there who are hurting. And uh, pray be for, with the Wades and, and pray for Helen Lisk's family. I heard she... Um, Uh, has a family member that lost their house there in paradise and so many people 27,000 people were uh, in northern California were were, uh, evacuated and impacted by that fire I just pray that uh, the fires would be contained quickly and uh, I pray that there would be no more loss of life and uh, we we pray as well for uh, the victims of the shooting that occurred on Wednesday it's easy to kind of get caught up in the fires with with all that's been going on but but that that was just horrific God and uh we pray for, for people who might be suffering from mental illness or, or conditions like the man was suffering from, and we pray for them to find hope, as, as Brian Voss prayed in our prayer this morning, God, with the worship team, that those, those individuals would find you and uh, before they do something like this. Um, but God, with acts of senseless violence and hate, I pray that we can have lives of purposeful kindness and love and help us to be who you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to look at a story today about an inspiring woman from the book of Acts who did, uh, as I mentioned in the prayer there, she demonstrated purposeful kindness and love. And with things like an act of senseless violence, it can, we can feel different things. We can feel anger, we can feel shooting and everything because of the students. And I just felt like my own heart, I, I felt like, gosh, I feel kind of numb, you know, I, I I feel like I should be more sorrowful, but I'm just sort of numb because these things keep happening, right? Uh, but we might be feeling different things, but I think it's a time for us to focus on purposeful kindness and love. And so I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that we had planned to do this story about the, the woman, Tabitha, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 9. I think I told you chapter 8, but we'll, we'll read a, a passage there in chapter 8. So uh, last week, if, uh, if you were here, there's a picture of the Pepperdine fire, or the, or the Malibu fire there, and uh, we've got to be praying about that. Uh, if you were here last week, um, we were in this space with uh, campus students and uh, singles as some of the marrieds were away on their marriage retreat. And we looked at Acts chapter 8. We kind of picked up where Steve left off. Eunuch. 
chapter 8. So if you'd like to catch up with that, you can watch that on our app or on our YouTube channel. And uh, so now we're moving on to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 has uh, the most significant character of the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul and his conversion in Acts 9. We're actually going to skip that for now. He retells his conversion twice later in the book of Acts. Focus on uh, this woman, Tabitha, and a picture of her uh, from the A.D. was what she looked like, but... Uh, that's her on that series. But she's a, a, an amazing woman. So uh, just to give you a little context of, of kind of what's happening here, uh, the end of chapter 8 in verse 40, it says, Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So Philip is one of the seven who's chosen in Acts 6 to help with the, the, the widows who are being overlooked in this ministry. And then he and Stephen both go on after the service role that they have. They, God ends up using them. The Holy Spirit sends them out and they end up planting churches and, and make, having great impact. And so Philip is traveling. He, he converts all these people in Samaria. He's traveling around preaching the word, as it says here, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reaches Caesarea. And then Philip is kind of, I mean, uh, Peter is following right behind Philip. It's, it appears as you look at, if you look at a map, he's kind of following along in some of these, these uh, places that Philip has been and where people become disciples. The apostles at that time, they were the designated eyewitnesses. You know, there was no uh, scriptural text of the New Testament. There was just the Old Testament. So the apostles' job was to show uh, the world the way that Jesus and this new movement uh, was fulfilling all these Old Testament scriptures. And they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. They had seen the risen Lord. They had been there for all of his teaching from the beginning. And so they were the ones that would come in and strengthen the church. So, so Philip or, or other disciples, we don't even know their names, uh, like happened in Antioch later, they would go and they would preach everywhere they went. People would become disciples and then apostles would come in and, uh, and, and provide a little more infrastructure and give them more background and give them more solid teaching and just help them to get strong. So that's what Peter was doing, kind of following behind Philip. The middle of chapter 9, the end of Paul's story, verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. So that's the context where Peter is traveling around. Uh, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, increased in numbers. Verse 32, as, period, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia. And then there's a story of him healing a man named Aeneas and impacting that whole, uh, that whole city. And then we'll pick it up. In Joppa, and Joppa is a town right on the coastline, and we'll see a picture of it later. There was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Got, there's a couple laughs about that name. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydia was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. 
He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, as you see on the picture there, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. People stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So, backing up here, uh, we're going to look at a few things about Tabitha, and uh, the, the, the one... The one uh, point I want you to take away with today is loving others leaves a legacy. The way to really have impact on this in this life and on this world is by loving others. That's the, the greatest legacy you could ever leave. And that's the legacy that Tabitha leaves. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So to kind of set the stage here, there was a, a play that was done in our family of churches. It's been done a few times. It's called Upside Down, and it's a tale of the book of Acts. And we have a cast member right here in our own fellowship. Uh, you might not know this, but Lindsay was in Upside Down. And uh, she played the role of Tabitha, a.k.a. Dorcas. On set, were you usually called Tabitha or were you usually called Dorcas? I was called Lindsay. Lindsay, okay. <laughs> So she is going to perform uh, uh, just a, a brief piece of a song that's kind of the Tabitha solo. So what, what's happened here is, is just the story we just read about uh, where she has died and Peter goes to the, uh, the house and then in, in the, this isn't recorded in, in, the, in the story of Acts, but in the scene of Upside Down, there's a, her little girl is begging Peter to, to save her mom. So it's a very moving time. So we're going to pick it up where, uh, where Tabitha... She, Lindsay thought about maybe raising from the dead in costume for you, but we opted against that. Okay, so here's, here's uh, the Tabitha solo. last line for us one more time because uh, that has and I was I had my pages switched so that's why I was messing up sorry about that uh, just do this last line again why am I more aware today more than just any other day I want, want you to listen to the last line why am I more aware today more than just any other day why do I feel that beautiful voice. So her last line is, uh, living's full of love. And uh, Tabitha, it's recorded that she was full of good works. 
uh, in, in verse 36. And oh, I want to mention this name. So Dorcas, I got a laugh from Dorcas. Here's why. I want to show you why. Look at that chart if you can read it. The, the, it says at the top, uh, the peak of this name Dorcas was in 1920. 1920s. So because of that, and then look at what happens to that peak. It drops off to nothing. So because this name Dorcas was used so much in 1920, we associate with, with someone who was born around then. So we just automatically think of an older person when you think of the name Dorcas, right? Don't you? So that's why. That's why you had that reaction. But that's not the reaction in the first century, right? So we got to get into the world of the first century. Okay, so it says that she was full of good works in verse 36. She was always doing good works. And I want to show you the Greek there. The Greek is race, full, agathon, good, ergon, axe. Those are the three words there. She was full, living's full of love, as Lindsay just sang. She was full of good works. And when I think about that, uh, that phrase or those words, it reminds me of another uh, passage in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to throw on the screen for you. It says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another version of this, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So this is a, in a passage from Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's talking about how God has saved us by his grace. But he says that we have been, we, we are God's workmanship. He set this all up. And he's created these, this opportunity for us to do good works. And it's the same uh, words, acts, uh, ergois, uh, that are good, agathois. So it's the same words as in the, the passage about, uh, about Tabitha. But this is this other Greek word that is used here, and I think this is the only, it's only used in one other place, Romans 9, where Paul is talking about how God had a plan ahead of time. And, and it means before makes ready. Uh, God prepared in advance these works for us to do. I think that's important because when, it, when you think about, uh, man, I need to have a life that's full of good works, you can feel like, well, what do I do? What, 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 is, what good works should I be doing? that God has already prepared good works for you to be doing. It's a matter of you finding that path to his plan. It's a matter of opening yourself up to what is it that he has prepared in advance for you to do. You know, those of us who are parents, uh, is it more work to do the chore yourself or is it more work to help your kids do the chore? It's a lot more work to get your kids to do it, I think. Right? You got to bug them about it. You got to help show them how to do it. You got to walk them through it. But why do you do that? Because you want them to learn. You want the, it's good for them. So I think, I think about that like God, we are God's workmanship. It says God has, has, is working on us. He's helping us by preparing for us these plans and, and putting it all together in advance. So that makes me excited about doing my part. It's not just, oh, okay, I, I got I to do some, some work so God will like me. It's no, God wants me to grow. God has a plan for me. And so I want to fulfill that plan by, by following in line. Here, I like where it says, so we would walk in them, walk in these works that we did. And, you know, good, good works are something that you might not even realize the impact that you're having. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't remember the good works that we do for others. But those who 
have the works done for them, they remember, you know? Like I remember uh, uh, even just not too long ago, she probably doesn't even remember this, but Janelle uh, paid for my parking one time when I was at Chris and Nerica's wedding, and I had no cash, and you had to pay for parking with cash, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And then uh, I, never, I didn't even know Janelle, really. She was kind of new to our ministry, and she comes behind, and she pays for my parking, and I try to pay her back, and she wouldn't let me. But, I know, you know, every time I see Janelle, I remember how she paid for my parking. She probably doesn't even remember, you know? But, but good works make an impact. Uh, you know, a little more seriously, we, we tried to get pregnant after about five years of, mar- of marriage. Well, Dessa tried to get pregnant, but I did my part. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but it wasn't working for about a year. And then we got pregnant. We were so excited. And then we had a miscarriage. And I just remember the emotions of the miscarriage and uh, being in the hospital. Dust had to have a DNC. And, and uh, this couple brought, you know, I'm waiting there for hours. And this couple brought me a sandwich and some magazines. And they probably don't even remember, the, Stephen, uh, Teresa Forster, that they did that. But I'll never forget that because that, w- that was a time I was hurting. I didn't know if we would ever be able to to get pregnant or I didn't know what life would, would bring and I was in a hurting position and they just, just a sandwich and some magazines made a huge impact. So, so, so we don't even know sometimes the, the, the good works. Like Tabitha probably didn't even realize the impact that she had had on these widows. But the widows and their clothes are right there. I love this picture in verse 39. It says that you know Peter is there and the, the widows are, are are each showing the different article of clothing that Tabitha had made for them. And they're asking Peter to, to allow the Holy Spirit to use him uh, to do something about this situation. Uh, that's a picture on screen of, of widows in India um, who are in need. And widows in the ancient world, uh, they were a very uh, a vulnerable part of society because women... Uh, had a low status in the ancient world. They weren't valued the way they should have been. And they, they didn't have income streams, most of them. And so if a, if a woman's wa- uh, husband passed away, especially if she got a little bit older, uh, it was unlikely that she would get married again. And so she had no income. And so these widows were impo- some of the most impoverished people in the ancient world. And the early church was known for taking care of widows. And in, in this city there in Joppa, uh, these different widows were specifically ministered to by Tabitha and had these, uh, these articles of clothing. It made me think about what are, uh, if, if I was gone, what are the widow, who are the widows that I have helped? You know, what are their articles of clothing that they could say, wow, look, Brian did, did this for me, or Brian did that for me, or Brian made this for me. Interesting uh, to me, you know, I, I feel like I try to serve God. I, I try to uh, serve the church. I'm devoted to his kingdom. And, 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 you know, I try to do good things for my, you know, my neighborhood. I mow my neighbor's lawn, uh, you know, uh, pretty consistently. I, um, you know, try to help out with hope projects. I give to hope and give to uh, missions and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm trying to help on campus here and there with things I can. There was a kid who needed a ride, and so I drove all the way to Long Beach to pick him up from the Long Beach airport and give him a ride. To, he didn't even realize how far out of the way it was for me. And I mean, this is, you know, just a few weeks back. And I'm just thinking about things that I do to serve people, and I was just kind of, I felt convicted, like, it's not very good. <laughs> you know, it's nothing like these widows with their clothes. She made me these clothes, and it just made me feel like, man, I, I want to do more. I want to have more impact. What really matters in life is the legacy of loving others. It's people being able to say, wow, this person really loved me. This person really rescued me or helped me or did so much for me. 
And I was reminded of the, the contrast between the values of the kingdom and the values of the world uh, this week. Uh, for some reason, that my old job came up, and uh, I got some email or something, and I, I haven't been at my old job for 18 years now, but I had a six-year career in marketing with this company, and um, it's still around, it still exists, there's 3,500 employees, and the guy who was my boss's boss uh, when I was in the marketing department, he's the president of the company now, and I remember running into him a few years ago. Um, he had, you know, when I worked at that job for six years, I would, I would get in and he would be there. I would leave and he would be there. He was usually there probably from seven in the morning till about nine at night every day, completely devoted to the job. But he, you know, in the course of that, he, his family life fell apart. He lost his marriage. Uh, I don't know, you know, I think he became somewhat estranged from his kids. Uh, but I, I ran into him at an event. He was on to a second marriage and a much younger woman, 20 years younger or something. And so her kids were like my kids' age. Just, so he was at this event trying to support her and her family. But he just seemed so out of place there. You know, I was used to seeing him in, in this big corporate role and this role of power. You know, we would go to these, um, you know, executive meetings or we would go to these uh, in Las Vegas, you know, with these business meetings and there's food and it's fancy. You know, those of you who are in the corporate world, you know what I'm talking about, kind of that corporate, uh, you know, environment. Seeing him in, at this elementary school on a folding chair, you know, in jeans, it just, it was just weird, you know, and he seems so uncomfortable and so out of place, just out of his like powerful executive position. And it just made me think, you know, I was reflecting on this when this company came up again, just about that. I don't know what his life is like now. You know, this is probably 10 years ago I had seen him. Uh, but I wonder if, if, if his priorities have changed or if his life has, has, has shifted at all. And, you know, I, I wonder if he's still consumed with company and, uh, and, and what legacy will that really leave? I mean, if I were to tell you the name of this company, most of you wouldn't even know it. Uh, most, it's not like it's leaving an impact on planet Earth, you know. I mean, it employs some people, it helps some people maybe by providing an income, but I mean, he's just completely devoted to something that doesn't have eternal purpose. And yet this woman, Tabitha, you can see what a significant eternal purpose she had of helping people and loving people. You know, there are needs all... Because she met these needs... Uh, it became known all over Joppa what happened. I think it was known all over Joppa. That's a picture of Joppa, the city. Um, it's a port city, as I mentioned. This is also the place that Jonah went to when he was trying to run from God, and he caught a boat here to try to get away from God. So that, that's the same city. That, that's where Peter is, where he heals Tabitha. But, uh, you know, it became known all over the city uh, I believe because she rose from the dead, but I think probably a lot of people knew who she was as well because of the impact she had, because she was known for her community activism. And there are needs all over uh, our community. And I appreciate those who are really striving to meet the needs. You know, we're going to hear today a little bit more about the Thanksgiving baskets that we do every day. And uh, I mean, every year, not every day, that would be a lot. Uh, that that Elaine puts together and Calvin and Elaine did a great job at our midweek sharing just about their life, a life of serving. And I think they are an example of a couple who is like Tabitha, who you could look at, wow, look at all these things that they have done that leave a lasting legacy of love. 
And uh, if, you, if you weren't there on, on Wednesday, I encourage you to, uh, to check that out on our podcast. Um, but, but they are an example of, of really doing acts of service. Um, Missy, just, Missy Hood just posted an opportunity to serve this, this next weekend uh, at, a, at an organization that's trying to help homeless people and homeless women in particular. Um, that's an opportunity. Uh, the, the Hope Scouts, we're going to hear a little bit more about. They, they're doing a can drive that's supporting uh, the, the Thanksgiving baskets as well as other projects. You know, th- there are all kinds of opportunities. Maureen, Maureen Gibson, our own Maureen Gibson, has uh, connected us to DCFS, the, uh, the, the Department of Family Health, Health Services, and, and what they do to help uh, foster ki- kids. And there is so much more that we could do for foster kids. I do appreciate, you know, that what we do, uh, we have a, the, uh, an annual, um, uh, what do you call it, a, a beauty pageant, you know, that's called Inner Beauty, where they really support the girls that are part of foster care and help give them uh, good self-esteem and the right kind of values. Uh, we've done different, you know, park fun days for them. We've done beautification projects uh, for some of the spaces that DCFS uses uh, in the foster care system. But I know there's more we could do, you know, to be known in the community for helping foster kids. Um, you know, the, the, the possibilities are endless. They're all around us. It's just a matter of us finding the, 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 the lane that God has already established for us, right? To do those good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. We had a meeting in, uh, on Tuesday with our, our regional staff, and we were meeting with Steve Staten, who uh, some of you guys know. He's part of our family of churches. Um, and, and he's one of these guys that just, he looks at stats and he looks at churches and he looks at what's happening and he's kind of like a Malcolm Gladwell, if you know that author, where he looks at these trends and looks at stats and kind of puts together what's really happening. And uh, so it was fascinating just to listen to him on Tuesday and he's going to be doing more uh, for our staff about kind of how to have a breakthrough and, and, and trying to, to identify what God is doing and what the Spirit is doing as we're trying to, 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 to find that. But he was talking about different churches that he's seen in our fellowship that are really healthy. And he was talking about this church in Alaska um, that uh, it, it went from, I think, about 70 people to about 190 people and not a lot, not a lot of time. And uh, it's growing, it's happy, it's healthy. And, and he, he was asking different people in this church in Alaska, what, what is it about this church? You know, what, what is it that, that, uh, that, that you feel like God is really blessing? And he said all of them had the same answer. They all said, it's not, we, we, are, we don't have a top-down church. It's an upside-down pyramid. And, and in other words, everybody is a servant. We're in a serving church, and everybody has a role. And so... ...that they serve the community. We're known for serving. We're an upside-down pyramid, they say. And uh, if you don't have a, you know, you don't, if there's a role that isn't available in the church or there's not a serving kind of opportunity already, then you make one. But everybody comes up with some way that they're going to serve. And I just thought that was so inspiring. And it reminded me of, of, of what we're trying to do in our church, that we want to have a church that, where everybody's empowered. Everybody is, uh, you know, you, you, you're not restricted by anything except your own imagination and the Holy Spirit using you to, to impact your community for God. Uh, you know, I want to remind you about uh, something we did in April. Do you guys remember these little plants? Um, I had a, uh, I had shared a story of how I'd gotten a, a, a piece of a plant from up on the hill where I pray, and then that had multiplied all over my house to different things, and we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit and how God is able to take what we do and, and multiply it. And I gave the challenge that 
you know, I had a bunch of little pieces of that plant and uh, had them up front. And I said, if you would like to take a challenge of stepping out in faith and doing something for God that's new, um, take one of these plants and, and, and as kind of a, a reminder of that. And so that was back in April. I, if you took a plant, I just want to remind you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and report or anything like that. But I just want to remind you that, that we, we, need, we need to, to, to continue to take these steps of faith. We need to continue to, to, to ask God, what, what good work have you prepared in advance for me to do? And how can I step out and act in that way? In a way of faith. It does take faith to put your talents into work. You know, it does take faith to listen to the Holy Spirit. You do have to be in community in order to, to produce the acts of the Spirit. And some of us would rather just kind of be alone and do our own thing. And yet, if you think of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you can't really tell the fruits of the Spirit if you're just by yourself. You know, you can't really tell how loving someone is if they're all alone. You can't tell how patient you are if you're just all alone on a nature walk. Do you know what I mean? I mean, maybe it's kind of hot, so how patient am I with the heat? No, you can tell how patient you are when you're around annoying people, right? You can tell uh, how much you love, how much of the fruits of the Spirit by the way that we interact in community, in community and with each other and with the, you know, your work or with your school. That's where we live out our Christianity. And that's where we can leave a legacy of love. So I want to ask you to, to take a moment just to, uh, of silent prayer and just ask, if there's, is there anything the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart where you want to take a step of faith to serve in some way? a faithful step to do something uh, for God in a way to leave a legacy. And I just want to take, uh, take a moment to pray silently and then write something down that you're going to commit to. Um, and then, uh, then we're, we'll move on with what's next. I'll tell you I'm excited. God, uh, we want to commit these things to prayer that we've written down, that we want, to, we want to leave a legacy of love, God. We want to step out and serve. And I pray that if, if we haven't come up with some way that we want to take a step of faith, I pray that you'd put that on our heart, God, as a way of serving our community, serving the church, serving you. Uh, God, using the talents and abilities and gifts that you've given each person. Each person here has been gifted by you, especially if they're a disciple of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit. I know the Bible says that we are given gifts. Of, of the Spirit, and, and we are called to use those gifts for building up the body of Christ and for uh, helping to, to make an impact in this lost world. Church, uh, I'm so, super proud of this church. Uh, it was cool that um, you know, my neighbor last week stopped me in the morning uh, on my way to take the kids to school and just asked what we were doing for Thanksgiving and, and said that you know he and his wife wanted to do something to give back to the community and know that we're we're active in the community. And I was so proud to share that. Oh, yeah, we're, we're taking Thanksgiving baskets to needy families of Wilmington. And just so proud of our church and proud that, that we are doing something. And, and I pray that he can get connected with that and with, with, what, uh, with what this community of faith is doing. And I pray we can do more uh, to help the hurting around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are going to have our next South Bay story. And that is Ramona Thomas is going to come on up. 
Where is she? Oh, there she is. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Hey, Ramona, how's it going? Good to see you. You want to grab one of those mics? And So what we've been doing, if you're uh, new to the fellowship or haven't been around, uh, the book of Acts is full of all these stories about the uh, brothers and sisters in the first century. And uh, that's really cool and inspiring, as we heard about Tabitha, a.k.a. Dorcas, today. But it's also... Uh, we wanted to connect that with our stories and our church and, and the people in our, our fellowship. And uh, so we are uh, we're talking uh, to different people and just giving you an opportunity to get to know different people in our fellowship. So today it's Ramona Thomas. And uh, so I'll let her... Uh, Ramona was baptized as a teen as well as uh, uh, Lisa Rowley shared about today. I, I kind of forgot that was Lisa, so there's a theme today. But So tell us um, what that was like. How did you get in? How was the Holy Spirit working in your life at that time? So for me, I was um, a junior in high school, and there was an acquaintance of mine at school that was a senior um, that I looked up to as an upperclassman. And um, we were taking, we were in the same summer school class, uh, her so she could graduate me so that I could move on to my senior year. <laughs> and we were taking this class, and in the middle of the class, she kind of invited a group of us um, to a church event, a teen event, actually, that I was very interested in attending, but being in a group setting, I gave in to peer pressure and didn't um, divulge that I was interested in going with her, so <laughs> I didn't take that opportunity to go, uh, but later on, there was a, a single brother that I worked with. Um, I worked at Ralph's. It was my first job in high nice. school, um, bagging groceries, <laughs> and um, this uh, brother invited me to ch his church, and uh, I, at the time, too, I was like, hmm, I, I am looking for a church. I, my family doesn't go to church regularly. I, um, I believe in God, but, and I would like to have a home church, but I think being just where I was at, I just kind of passed up the opportunity again. Hmm. And, um, and then I grew up in Northridge, so we had the earthquake of, in January of 1994, and oh, yeah. that, so God literally shook me to get wow. my attention. Literally. And after that, I remember um, finding my coworker and I said, look, I really want to go to church. Can you give me the information? Wow. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, this is what I need to go after. And I knew I needed to um, pursue my relationship with God. I just didn't know what that looked like. But I started with just going to church. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so one thing I know about you that, that some can relate to or some can't is just that you've gone through a, a real loss in your life, losing your mom. And, uh, you know, I know some of us have had, uh, you know, devastating loss. Some of us haven't. But how can we, I think it's hard to know exactly how to help people when they're grieving or going through any kind of loss. But I'm just wondering, the experiences that you've gone through, is there anything that you could share that would help us to, to better minister to people? Especially as we're talking today about leaving a legacy of love. Like, how can we help people when they're hurting? Or what have you learned that is helpful or not helpful uh, for people in the grieving process? I think grief is tough because it's very personal and everyone grieves differently. Yeah. Um, I think for me, when I lost my mom, I was 25 years old. Um, Owen and I had been married for a month. Mm. And the last time that I had um, really spent time with my mom was at my wedding. So mm. we came back from our honeymoon and she was in the hospital, very sick. Um, and she passed away in the hospital. So I think where I was at, I'm a newly married woman just figuring out 
this new relationship, mm. um, and then losing the closest person to me in my life. Uh, she was a single mom for a, for a time, and her and I were very close. Um, it was devastating to me. Mm. Um, but at the time, I was also very angry when I lost her. Um, and then I was very guilty about feeling angry at yeah. her. Uh, she was an alcoholic, and she didn't take care of herself. Mm. And so that was a big reason um, why she passed away. Mm. And so I had to really battle with those feelings of loss and also hurt and anger and forgiveness. And so I ended up going um, through grief recovery mm. um, after a time. And that really helped me just, you know, come to my own place where I could forgive her, um, where I could, um, you know, not hold that against her and know that she didn't make good choices in her life, yeah. but um, that didn't affect how she loved me. Mm. And um, so grief recovery really helped me with come to that resolution um, and be able to move on in mm. some ways. I think when people um, are grieving, we really shouldn't have expectations for what their grief should look like. Mm. Um, I, I think as disciples, we need to hold each other to the standard of the Bible and really make sure that we're taking care of each other and supporting each other and feeding each other spiritually as well as meeting physical needs. Yeah. But I think we also just need to understand that everyone's journey of grief is going to be a little, look a little different. Yeah. And it's still difficult. Um, yeah. I think it's been um, it'll be 17 years hmm. in, in March. And um, Thanksgiving is always really hard. Mm. I don't know why. Thanksgiving is like harder than her birthday, harder than Christmas. Mm. And I just think there's some memories tied to that. Good yeah. memories. but Probably because it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's um, probably the hardest time that I go through. And I mm. just try to surround myself with friends and, yeah. um, you know, not withdraw and retreat. Yeah. And be by myself because mm. that's my tendency to want to isolate. Yeah. Wow. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability, and and I think I think you've helped people. I know it's hard, but um, even just having, I feel bad for asking. Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more pressure because you're coming over for Thanksgiving, so <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we have to make it extra special no. for you now. <laughs> but um, uh, the Thomas family is coming over for Thanksgiving, but uh, but no, I really appreciate even what you said about. Uh, there's no, not having expectations and everybody grieves differently and giving people space. And, and it sounds like it's not always going to be kind of the same consistent way that you feel about things, right? Those probably ups and downs and, yeah. and like you said, anger, sorrow, uh, and, and, and that it takes a long time. And you, I mean, I guess you probably never, you never overcome or never move past, um, certain feelings and stuff, but, um, it helps to know as well what, you know, what when is hard and when is not and you know like i mean i i, I try to send Stuart mains a text or a call on father's day or on kevin's birthday or you know things like that or just trying to help each other with with kind of knowing we, these are the times that are hard for me or and and uh and those of us who are are grieving just helping others around us like i appreciate your patience with owen <laughs> you know and patience with others you know who are trying to help but sometimes we don't know how, you know, don't know what questions to ask or whatever. But so moving on to a uh, a little more uh, happy topic um, is uh, is your work in youth ministry. Uh, uh, Owen and Ramona serve our, our our junior high ministry and have for many years. Um, so really appreciate that. Uh, they are Tabitha. But what? 
or what, what could we do to, to better support uh, people like you who are serving in youth ministry? Well, first, I love the youth ministry. Um, having been baptized as a teen and knowing how much that uh, the teen ministry really helped me um, build my relationship with God and um, build my own, and grow in my own convictions. Um, and knowing now, being on the other side of how tirelessly my teen leaders probably yeah. worked and drove us around and got us to places. Um, and I think Ona and I have been with the junior high for four years um, now, and we also were teen leaders as singles before we were married, before we even knew each other. And was that part of you guys falling in love? Was that, like, did you meet each other through teen ministry or no? No. Okay. Compl com <laughs> completely separate. Actually, we met cool. at the church office, but oh, nice. that's, an, that's another story. <laughs> so we, um, oh, and then we were newly married. Uh, we helped out. We were, well, not first, right, not when we first got married, but shortly after, we then went back into the teen uh, youth ministry. We worked with, um, we served with Ruben DeAnda in the teens, um, and that was uh, a great experience. And I just love how things come full circle because uh, now, you know, Ruben's daughter, Bella, and a my daughter, Avery, are, are oh, went to so camp cool. for the first time this yeah, past year, awesome. and they're friends, and um, so it's great just to foster that relationship. Um, but I think we've, you know, what I love most is connecting with the, the teens and being able to keep that connection with them as they move on in their lives and go to college and go off and do great things. Um, you know, I feel like we've we've managed to keep a lot of those relationships. With That's the, awesome. um, at the marriage retreat last weekend, we were combined with the North Region, which is my home church region. Um, I was there for seven years and baptized there. So I got to see, it was a reunion of sorts. I got to see a lot of um, old friends and um, two of the women that I was able to reunite with there uh, were my teens when I was a teen leader wow. in the North. And um, they are both now married with kids, but I still have that connection with them. That's awesome. Um, that I was able to help them during that time and to know God and study the Bible That's with awesome. them. Um, so, so working in youth ministry really bonds together the fabric of our church, sounds like, like really connects people and um, you kind of feel like you're in the trenches together. Yeah, and I think it's great to have just the support of all the parents. We're all working together to help our yeah. kids. It's teamwork. Um, I feel like there are people, well, my son is, one of his mentors is Kenny Izuchuku, uh, who's in the West Side and leading now the Malibu sector. And he was one of Owen's teens. And, cool. and Owen helped study the Bible with him. So I think, you know, it's great to just kind of now have it come full circle. He's, he's mentoring my son. And, and Jalen has a lot of mentors even here, just, um, you know, men that will just take the time to interact with him at, in fellowship, mm. you know, that may not even see him all the time, but, you know, I know Calvin Johnson will go out of his way to say hi to him, and um, Brian Hood will, you know, give him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Brian does for our teens, and his job in the so fellowship. So I think it's great, though, that he sees these men in, the, in our community um, cool. that still take the time, you know, to get to know That's a 12-year-old, awesome. and maybe they don't spend a lot of time with him outside of church, um, but they still connect with him. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate, so per personally, you know, uh, you helping my daughter, and, uh, you know, you're definitely her, her, one of her strongest, probably her strongest spiritual relationship next to her mom, and uh, really appreciate uh, how much you've invested in her, and she loves her relationship with you a lot, and uh, looks up to you a lot, and, and um, just so cool how God's used you in her life. And I know there's a lot of other girls who want to study the Bible right now, right? So uh, just putting a plug out there, if you'd... Uh, 
our, our sister and you'd like to help out with, uh, with some of the teen girl studies, uh, talk to Ramona, talk to Catherine, because um, there are several women, or several girls, teen girls that really want to study. And we kind of have more kids that want to study than we have adults to help study with them. So, uh, so, so yeah, speak up and, and offer your services. But really, really, oh yeah, go ahead. And I want to, um, on that note, I want to hold up Elaine because Elaine Johnson actually approached uh, Nicole Lee and said, I want to be involved in Beth's studies because I know she's interested in starting to read the Bible. And uh, of her own accord, just knowing that family and wanting awesome. and knowing, seeing Beth as she grew up, wanting to be a part of that, she went to um, Nicole and said, hey, can I, can I jump in and be a part of that? And so I think, you know, it's, you know, these are, um, this is our church family and we need to, you know, reach out for one another's kids and, and make time for them and, and realize, you know, maybe there's a kid that we, that we do connect with. And even though we're not in youth ministry, we feel like, man, I'm going to talk to their parent and see I'm friends with their parent. Maybe, you know, I can get some time with them and really spend time with them. Amen. And I want to encourage the teens as well. Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, just talking about how it comes full circle and we all are, you know, working to build God's kingdom. When I was um, a high school student and someone reached out to me, uh, I got baptized. And then as an 18-year-old, uh, me and another, there was, I was one of three disciples on our campus. And uh, me and another dis uh, teen disciple, we invited um, a grown man. And he was doing a, like a, kind of like a D.A.R.E. program, the equivalent of, if you guys remember D.A.R.E., I'm dating myself now, and, <laughs> and okay, good, and uh, we actually invited him to church, and he ended up going and studying the Bible um, with some men, and uh, his daughter is now a disciple in the UCLA ministry, so um, just the impact that we can have when we just reach out to people Amen. Um, is enormous. Amen, go teens. Well, thanks a lot, Ramona, appreciate you, and uh, all the ways you and Owen serve. Amen. And um, so we're gonna, what we're going to do right now, we're going to pray for our weekly offering and uh, with this idea of giving and serving our community. Uh, uh, being able to contribute out of how God has blessed us is a tangible way of being able to, uh, to give back um, uh, to, to serving our community and, and serving the spiritual needs of people around the world. So I'm going to say a prayer for our offering and then we'll have some announcements, kind of closing things. We'll close with a song. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to be able to give back to you out of all that you've given to us. Uh, thank you for um, your spirit at work in our lives and help us to listen to his direction, his guidance. And I pray that you would lead us to those good works you've prepared in advance for us to do. And that in so doing, we can build up the body of Christ and really affect our community and, and, and change lives around us. Thank you for Ramona's example of serving in the church. And uh, thank you for so many... Uh, in our fellowship who are outstanding examples of really giving up their own lives uh, for the cause of Christ. Bless this offering. May it be used to build up the kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.